0: Our gospel lesson this morning comes from Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 8. Before I read that, please pray with me. God, our light, make us attentive to your word as to a lamp shining in a dark place, that seeing your truth, we may live faithful lives until that great day dawns And the morning star rises in our hearts. Amen. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his clothing became dazzling white. Suddenly, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with them. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here if you wish. I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. And from a cloud, a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus Himself alone. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. One of the things that Thomas and I have missed during this pandemic is the opportunity to travel internationally. Now, I have to admit, the idea of traveling with two little ones doesn't really seem like a reality right now, but hopefully, in the next year or so, we'll have a chance to get away and experience somewhere new. In the meantime, I'm holding on to those memories from some of our favorite trips before. One that sticks out in particular of our international travels is the opportunity we had to go to Egypt. Israel, and Jordan when we were in seminary. It was such a special experience to get to learn more about our faith in a part of the world where so much of the Bible was written. Our trip was modeled after the exodus of God's people, so we began in Egypt, went to Israel, and finished our time in Jordan. It was clear to me when we spent time in Tiberias why Jesus did so much of his ministry around the Galilee. With that temperature and scenery, I wanted to spend as much time there as I could as well. We had a chance to get a mud bath and to float in the Dead Sea, which is actually the lowest land point on earth. And after several days of touring around the Holy Land, we finished our time at Mount Nebo, the place that's associated with the end of Moses' ministry. I remember feeling overwhelmed and almost having to remind myself to breathe. Because as we reached the top of the mountain and we looked out, we could see for miles that low point of the Dead Sea, but also the cities to which we had visited and the lush terrain of the fertile crescent. My faith was strengthened by the simple reminder of the vastness of creation— Being up on that mountain, taking in the view, allowed me to encounter God more intimately. In our scripture lesson this morning, Jesus is practicing this very thing, going to the mountaintop to get away and encounter God. This is a common motif that we find in scripture And it's a practice that I imagine many of us have taken to help our own spiritual journey. By going higher, by summiting the mountain, we have a chance to get away, to see things more clearly, both figuratively and literally. Peter has proclaimed that Jesus is the Son of God, and immediately following this, Jesus gives them the hard news that this journey they're on is not leading to a palace, but rather to the cross. And instead of leaving the disciples to stew in their heartache, Jesus invites Peter, James, and John to go higher, to get away for a bit. When they do get away, When they make it to the mountaintop, they hear the voice of God. The message is an affirmation of what they already know, that Jesus is God's son. But it also comes with a lesson for them to listen to him. In addition to hearing God's voice, they experience a vision on that mountain. They see Elijah and Moses who each have a mountaintop experience of their own. In 1 Kings 19, we hear the story of Elijah, and he's probably in a similar state to that of these disciples. You see, he's struggling. He feels like no one is listening to him, and he would rather die than continue to serve as a prophet. And God tells him to go to the mountain. It's a familiar passage, but to help us remember it, I'll read it for you. He got up and ate and drank. Then he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. At that place, he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. The voice said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When Elijah went to the mountain, he heard from God. Not in big, loud, flashy ways, but in a moment of sheer silence. On the mountaintop, we encounter God. And in those mountaintop encounters, God changes us. On the mountain in our gospel lesson this morning, it says that Jesus' face shone like the sun, and his garments were shining as well. So perhaps he should have worn sunscreen, but I imagine that the scripture is actually trying to make a point that in going higher, there had been a spiritual encounter, that God had come near. And we do not leave an encounter like that unchanged. This would ring true for Peter, James, and John because when Moses went up the mountain to meet with God in Exodus, he would have to veil his face when he came back down because it radiated so that the people were scared. Getting away, going higher, allowed for that holy encounter. My hope is that this rings true for you as well. I vividly remember going to youth camp growing up. There was something about this intentional time that was set apart from my regular routine, where we were bathed in moments of worship and Bible study that made for a spiritual mountaintop-like experience. By taking a break from the busyness of life, I had these holy, life-changing encounters with God. Something about that getting away made it easier to hear God's voice. That's why I'm so grateful that our church provides an opportunity for program staff to take a sabbatical after seven years of service. You see, this allows for us to step away, to get to a place where we can see things from a different perspective, to hear God more clearly. And while that sabbatical practice of time away is vital for our call as ministers, it's actually vital for each of us in our relationship with God. In the next year, you will have several opportunities to retreat to a spiritual mountaintop. You've probably heard of some of these before, but in February, the Children and Families Committee is providing an opportunity for a family retreat. In June, we hope to offer an opportunity for folks to attend the worship and music conference at Montreat. In July, children and students will have chances to attend Passport Kids, Dogwood Acres, and two Montreat youth conferences. And in the fall, we hope to try out a marriage retreat. These are just a few formal ways that we as a church can retreat to connect with God. But we don't need a formal program to do so. I think it's important for each of us to carve out time and space where we can get away and listen to God to deepen our connection to the Lord. But like every summer camp must come to an end, we cannot stay on the mountaintop forever. Peter wanted so badly to stay in that holy space, experiencing that closeness with God that he offered to actually set up tents. Jesus took Peter, James, and John up to the mountain, not so that they could run away from the world, but to prepare them for what was to come. These mountaintop encounters with God are present in our lives, so that we are prepared for the valleys. In C.S. Lewis' classic series, The Chronicles of Narnia, he paints this majestic image of God through the character of Aslan. And while we often see these stories as being written for children, I personally seem to gain a lot of wisdom from the teaching of Aslan. In The Silver Chair, Jill and Eustace are walking together in a wood, holding hands when they come upon the edge of a cliff. Eustace jerks Jill back trying to keep her from falling because he is clearly afraid. Jill is annoyed because she thinks he's treating her like a young child. And so to prove that she is brave and strong, she steps out to the edge of the cliff and quickly freezes, paralyzed in fear. Eustace, while scared, tries to go out and save her, but Jill is so paralyzed that she ends up passing out. And as she does, she glimpses a vision of Eustace falling. When she comes to Aslan, the great lion is standing over her. She immediately confesses what happened and he thanks her for her honesty, tells her that Eustace will be okay and reminds her to let go of that pridefulness. And then he shares an important message with her of the signs that she and Eustace will need for the journey ahead. And finally, Aslan, prepares her for re-entry into the world with these words. Here on the mountain, the air is clear, and your mind is clear. As you drop down into Narnia, the air will thicken. Take care that it does not confuse your mind. And the signs which you have learned here will not look at all as you expect them to look when you meet them there. That is why it is so important to know them by heart and to pay no attention to appearances. Remember the signs and believe the signs. Jill was changed by her mountaintop encounter with Aslan and prepared for what was to come. Indeed, the point of these mountaintop experiences is to prepare us for a vast majority of our lives that we live not on the mountaintop, but in the trenches where we are called to be God's hands and feet. Growing up, my church sang a song called Holy Ground. Maybe you know it. The words say, This is holy ground. We're standing on holy ground. For the Lord is present, and where God is, is holy. While our scripture this morning is reminding us to get away so we can encounter God more intimately, it's important that we remember that God does not stay behind on the mountaintop, but rather goes with us into the valley and through the flat places. So over the next two weeks, Pastor Brad is going to help us reflect on what it means to find that holy ground in whatever places we find ourselves in the world. But for now, reflecting on the lesson that Christ has given us of taking retreat, I want to leave us with a bit of a challenge. John Moore is often thought of as the father of national parks. He encountered God so deeply through nature that he said it revealed the mind of God. And so whenever he felt himself getting bogged down in the hectic pace of life, he would say, The mountains are calling, and I must go. It's easy for us to get swept up in the hectic pace of life. So may we adopt this mindset of Moore and follow after Christ. May we be wise enough to say the mountains are calling and find moments to steal away, to listen for God and be changed. To the glory of God, amen.